Well, as they're doing that, if you've been around for ZPC for two years plus, there's a good chance you saw that video. That is an old video from two years ago. So, two years ago, the church granted me a sabbatical, and I had a grant from the Lilly Endowment. So I was I was off, and I did have time alone. Also with my family, I had some great trips and things. But I did miss the all-church retreats, and so we want to show that today to promote the church retreat. And then next week, or the Sunday after, we hope to have another video ready for you. It's got to be shot, hopefully, this week uh, to promote the all-church retreat. But I'm going to be there this year. I'm not going to be all by myself. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, I'm, just saying that, I'm just saying that because it's a lot of fun. I went three years ago. It's a great time. August 24th through 26th, there's a sign-up table in the gathering space where you can sign up online. Uh, there's already a lot of people signed up, so don't wait. It's time now to sign up. Um, it should be a lot of fun. So join us at the All Church Retreat. That would be great. Well, again, I'll say it again. Happy Father's Day to all the dads. Um, we are glad that you chose to worship at CTC on this day. Now, today's message is not part of a series. It's an individual standalone. It's going to be a little more teaching-oriented. We'll get into that in a minute. But next week, we're going to start a series on Daniel. And Jerry will be back. We'll be back begin that series. Uh, Jerry had some study this week in California. He may be back at, at the next service. I think he got back in late last night. But uh, Jerry will kick off um, the study of the book of Daniel, the person of Daniel, next week. Now, Daniel was a man who remained faithful to God around 600 B.C. to the mid-500s B.C., despite being uh, exiled in Babylon. So he's looking at a lot, look at a lot of God, uh, David. Daniel's faithfulness to God, even in exile. And so, I want to talk about this morning, how do we remain faithful to God? Why would we be uh, inspired or encouraged uh, to remain faithful to God in our own lives? And here's one thing I thought of as, as uh, studying that this week. French mathematician, inventor, and theologian, Blaise Pascal, a very smart guy, he said there's a craving or a helplessness or in, or in a sense, a God-shaped hole that we try to fill in our lives. And he was a very smart guy. Here's a quote from Blaise Pascal. He said, this, meaning this God-shaped hole, he, meaning all of us, this he tries in vain to fill with everything around him. Seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only within an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. So even this guy who was brilliant said in his own life he had an emptiness or a hole that he wanted to be filled and he found that can only be filled by God. Now, not as much of a philosopher or a theologian is Jim Carrey, the American actor, but he said, I, I thought this quote was interesting as well. He said, I wish everyone could be rich and famous to see that those things, riches and fame, don't bring happiness. So we find that there's things in our lives, even if we try to fill them with other things, they don't fill it. And so Blaise Pascal was able to say that that was, in, in a sense, a God-shaped hole. So we need to be looking for God, studying God, getting to know God, because God can fill that gap or that hole in our lives. So what is God like? How do we relate to God? And Don mentioned the songs this morning are about Psalm 103. We're going to read that now as part of God's Word, looking at how we relate to God. This is it, 103rd Psalm. It's a Psalm of David. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pits. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good as long as you live. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commands. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding. Obedient to his spoken word, bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Sisters and brothers of Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, on this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts Bring honor and glory to you as we talk and learn today. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I should tell you, part of the reason I picked uh, Psalm 103 is I didn't get the opportunity to choose today what it was because I wrote the Psalms. I use the Psalms in my prayer life. I would say not every day, I wish I did, but I don't. But a lot of days I look to the Psalms to help me pray. They can come in many forms. A lot of the psalm, Psalms are uh, laments. People crying out a need for God. A lot of the psalms are praises similar to this. Now, in that day, they weren't just read. Oftentimes, they were sung. Many of them were written as hymns or songs for individuals to sing or for the people of God to sing. So I love to read the psalms. They help my own prayer life. Scholars say that the 103rd Psalm is one of the most familiar and well-loved of all the psalms. And yes, it is written by David, King David. Or as you may know him from when he was young, David and Goliath fame. It begins with, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he finishes that in a very poetic way with, again, a couple of stanzas of, bless the Lord, O my soul. So it's a song of praise. And as we look ahead to Daniel, we might think this, that faithful ancient Jews would memorize large portions of Scripture, the Old Testament as we would know it. Or for many of them, they would memorize it all. And so when we think of Daniel, 
uh, praying by his window in Babylon, there's a very good chance, a good opportunity that over those years, he prayed or sang the 103rd Psalm as we are reading today. Now David urges the readers, as we are, or singers, not to forget God and all his benefits. And so David goes into great detail about who God is, what God does, and what is God like. So we're going to see a little bit about what is God like here. This is on the screen, but it's also on the inside cover of your bulletin. Uh, as I said before, I like notes like this. It helps me to kind of think through things logically. And so it's going to be on the screen. It's the same thing that will be in your bulletin as well. So what is God like in the 103rd Psalm? God forgives, God heals, and redeems, crowns, God satisfies, and works for justice. God has compassion. God is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. And even when he says abounding in love, he says abounding in steadfast love that will last. This is what God is like. And this is pretty incredible when you think about the amazing attributes, the characteristics of what God does. God forgives sins. Who can do that? Well, only Jesus can. We read the New Testament that Jesus forgives sins. We read here in the Psalms that God forgives sins when we mess up. God redeems our lives. It means he buys our lives back. And he did that through Jesus. God works for justice for those who are oppressed. As Sharon mentioned in the prayer, we pray together as God's people for people who are hurting, for people who are oppressed, people who have dealt with difficulties in their lives. And so God uses people like us to work for justice for the oppressed. It says that God crowns us. Think about that, that God crowns us, that God honors us with his steadfast love and mercy. And so we've had a class going the last couple of weeks. It's going again today with a guest teacher. It's going to go two more weeks at 9 a.m. It's called Christianity 101. It's kind of a refresher course. And we looked at some of these things about who God is. We looked at a little bit uh, some different ways that people have looked to God. So in ancient cultures, and maybe even some Eastern cultures today, there is a belief that there are many gods. This is polytheism. Others believe in a God who exists and put the world into motion, but is very distant. That God is a God who just sits back and watches what goes on. This is a sense of deism. So deism, a belief in who God is, but that God is distant or uninvolved in our lives. Others believe in a judgmental God. But David believed, Daniel believed, the Jews believe, and Christians like us today believe in a God who cares. In a God who is involved, a God who is not distant, a God who is not many, but one God in three persons, a God who is the ultimate judge, but is not defined by judgment, but by grace. Bible scholar Arthur Weiser, when he was studying the 103rd Psalm, he said David was granted an insight into the heart of the majesty of God. And what he found there is grace. He said David looked into the heart of God. When David is praying these prayers, and David wrote many, many of the Psalms, he's praying these prayers, he's writing the Psalms, and he talks again and again about God's grace. When he looked to God and saw what God was like in his own relationship with God. So again, who is God? What is God like? We're going to look at some of God's attributes. What are God's attributes? God is holy unchanging, and these are just some. 
all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving. God is patient. God is just. God is compassionate. God is expectant. If we couldn't cover all the things what God is like or his attributes, we'd be here all day. It would be fun, but uh, you'd probably get tired from that. I don't know. But these are some, some of the highlights. To begin, God is holy. God's holiness is a defining characteristic for who God is. God is perfect and without error. God's holiness sets him apart. The prophet Isaiah said, God is holy, holy, holy. And you know hymns about that. We sing praise songs and hymns about God's holiness. That God is holy, holy, holy. Today, if you're texting maybe with a friend, if you text, which I did until that many years ago, but if you want to really say something important, you might put like three exclamation points behind it. Or maybe like ten, you know, if you're really young, you might put ten. I don't know. I think you could do less exclamation points the older you get. I don't know. But instead of exclamation points in the Bible on a text, they would repeat things and say it three times. God is holy, holy, holy. And so this means this is very important. And that God is truly holy. This is part of his character. God is unchanging. God is, is worthy of worship because he is unchanging. David says it this way in verse 17. God's steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting. I love how he says it. Everlasting to everlasting. It never ends. God's steadfast love, so it stands fast, it is steady, it is worthy of our trust, it is from everlasting to everlasting, God's love perseveres, it keeps going and going and going, God's love does not stop. David also says in the psalm, God's throne is established, God's throne is established, God exists outside of time and space, God is not limited by the things that we're limited by. By space and then by time and limit. So God is forever, from everlasting to everlasting. God is unchanging during that time. God's character is unchanging. We're told in the New Testament that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is loving and gracious and kind all the time. God was, is, and is to come. And because God is unchanging, this is really good news. Because I, because I thought about what does that do for us? It helps us to develop trust. When you know someone's character and you can trust their character, say a friend or a family member, and you know that their character really is not going to change. Maybe you've known them your whole life. Maybe you've known them for many years. And you've seen evidence that their character doesn't change. It helps you to trust them. You know what to expect, and especially when they are good and kind. You can trust them. You can lean into them. You can share with them things. God is trustworthy in that way. If you combine His holiness that He is good, with his love, with his sense that he is unchanging, it leads to trust that we can place our trust in a God who is not distant that cares for us. There's some of these omni-words, omniscient, things like that, omnipotent or omnipotent. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is all-loving. God is all-knowing. God says he knows how we are made. He looks ahead. He says, God remembers that we are dust, that we have a finite period of time, and yet God is unchanging. God is forever. God knows. David, again, in Psalm 139, says, You have searched me and know me. Where can I flee from your presence? He goes on to talk about there. I'll read that Psalm sometimes, Psalm 139. This can be a little disconcerting when you think about it. God knows everything about me. He can see me. He knows my thoughts. And yet, we combine that, that God knows us. With the fact that God cares about us, that he loves us, his love is unconditional. Those are a good combination, that he will love us despite our flaws. 
God is all-powerful. God is creator. God creates. He's everlasting. In this psalm, it says God is blessed by angels and the people that he has created. It says that he forgives sins. This is a great evidence of God's power. Jesus was questioned, can you forgive sins? And he said he did. And then he would go on to heal people to show his power. God is all-powerful. God is all-loving. We've talked about that. We'll talk about it more. God is love. And this is really what... Uh, in different ways that David focuses on in this song, God's love and grace. Now, we can't be holy. These are things we can't be that God is, okay, that we can't share with God. That God is holy, all-knowing, all-powerful, unchanging, all-loving. These are things that we can't do that God can do because he is God. But these attributes of God help us to know how great God is in our place before God. It is humbling, and it needs us to have an, an, an attitude of reverence and respect. The Bible uses the word fear, and then later in the New Testament, it talks about that perfect love casts out fear, that we are not to fear. It's a, it's a promise that throughout Scripture, do not fear. And yet, I think in this context, the word fear, to fear God, to fear who God is, is to respect, to revere, um, to honor God. As we read in Daniel 6, when Daniel prays, Daniel prays on his knees with a reverence for who God is. And yet, there are God's attributes that we can share. This is a great thing about who God is, that God draws near to us, that God will share with us, that we can imitate God and use Jesus as the perfect example of what to be like and how to live. Here are some of the things that we can share with God. We see those again. So we saw those things earlier, that holy, unchanging, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving. Here's are things that we can share. God is patient and just. God is compassionate and expectant. You might use the word hopeful for expectant there as well. God is patient. David talks again and again when God is merciful, God is gracious. He is slow to anger. I think that's where his patience comes in. When you think about God, God who's holy, who's perfect, and yet deals with children who are imperfect, who make mistakes. Similar, maybe on thinking, you're thinking on this Father's Day, as we deal with children as they're learning and growing and doing things, they don't know how to do everything yet. And it can be easy to get impatient with our children, and yet Scripture says that God is patient, He is slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. God is just. In a world of injustice and when we question how can God allow these things, I think God calls on us most often to be an answer for injustice or for hurt or, or for pain. Two weeks ago, we honored our we commissioned our mission trips for CBC from Memorial Day to Labor Day. There was a long list of the bulletin. It's great. People were going to San Francisco and they got back this week. We had someone go to Spain. We have students going to Shepherd Community Center right here in Indianapolis, uh, leaving next Sunday, to Brazil, to Uganda coming up, and many other places. And so our people, you, are going out into the world, or Habitat for Humanity, where I was two weeks ago. We're going out into the world and trying to help God, by being his people, uh, bring justice in places where it is needed. If you were here last Sunday, hopefully you were, or you received a letter in the mail um, this week. We had great news last week that we had a surplus on our budget, a surplus in our giving over the last fiscal year, which ended on the last day of May. 
and we took half that money, it was $54,000, and we shared it here to both locally, uh, missions here locally, and then to a mission overseas. We shared it with uh, $27,000 was shared with Juvenile Justice Mission, which helps youth here in Indianapolis in the juvenile system to tell them about the love of God. And it's straight up ministries with children on the northwest side of India to help kids go to their summer camp. And then the outreach in the Presbyterian Church in Syria, one of the most difficult and war-torn places in the world. And so this is us. ZPC, as Jerry shared last week, or maybe you read that in the letter. This is us helping to help bring about justice to be God's hands and feet in the world. God cared for his people when they were oppressed in Egypt, and he sent Moses to bring them out. God cares for the sick and the poor and the sinners and sent Jesus to care for each of them. So God's patient and just and compassionate. We said earlier that some believe in deism, a distant God who set the world in motion and let it go. And yet we know that God is involved. Again, he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It says God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Isn't that good news? And there's some songers that say, how far as the east is from the west? They're from one outstretched arm to the other as Jesus was on the cross. Jesus removes our sins from us. So we might remember them. We might dwell on our sins. And yet God says removes them from us and forgives us of our sins. So God is compassionate. God is expectant. God loves us and wants us to love him back, but he doesn't force it on us. You know, an all-powerful God, there could be some sort of world where God can force us, maybe in a robotic kind of way, to love him back because he first loved us, but he does not. But he is expectant and hopeful and longing, kind of like a prodigal father, a prodigal son of his father, but the father longing to have a relationship with his son again. On this Father's Day, we think the best about our parents. I hope we know that our parents, and I know I as a parent, we mess up, we blow it sometimes. But at their best, fathers and mothers want the best for their children. They'll do anything to help them. They'll watch them, uh, hoping that they grow and mature, that they are happy, that they love God, that they'll find good lives as adults. I believe that's the way God is, only on a higher plane even than us, is a holy God. That he wants the best for his children and he'll, he'll send Jesus to tell us about what's the best way. And yet he's not going to force it on us. He's still going to let us make our own choices. And yet he's hopeful and expectant that we will turn our hearts back to him. And he continues to pursue us again and again. We can do nothing to earn God's love because God is holy. But God gives his love freely and forgives freely because God is love. I'll say that again. We can do nothing to earn God's love because God is holy, but God gives his love freely because God is love. And that's who God is. So when we know who God is and we share some of his attributes, we want to respond to God. We want to respond to God not out of a sense of obligation because God forces us to, but I would say out of a sense of inspiration. One of the things I love about reading the Psalms and this Psalm especially is, is it inspires me to think again, I hope it does on this day, to think of it again about the greatness of God and all the things that God has, not a distant God, but a, a God that draws near, that he does for us, inspires me, and I hope it inspires you. It doesn't obligate you, but it inspires you to want to worship him back. So what is our response to God? What is our response to God? 
We praise God for who God is. It's what David's doing here and what many of the Psalms do. So on Sunday, we come here, we're singing our songs. We praise God for who God is. We thank God for what God has done. And sometimes I'll even use these words in my own prayers. We praise God for who God is. We thank God for what God has done. And then in action, we love God back because God has first loved you. And that's in 1 John 4, 11. This is why David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. And so Daniel in chapter 6, despite living in a foreign land under a foreign ruler who had other gods, continued to praise God and honor God with his action. There was a saying that was popular many years ago in a lot of churches. I know occasionally in our youth groups we use that here. It was this. God is good all the time. All the time God is good. So I want you to, to voice that with me. Because it helps us to think, of, think about God's goodness. And God's unchangingness. That God is from everlasting to everlasting. All the time. So I'm going to say God is good. And then you say all the time. And then I'll say all the time. And you say God is good. Are you ready? God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. And all the time. And that's a good thing to remember today. If you remember that as you go out this week, we can trust in a God who is good. And a God who is good all the time. He will not change. He will never leave us nor forsake us, but love us. That's a great thing to remember on this day. To praise God again for who God is. To thank God for what He has done. To love God back for who God is. For He first loved us. So we praise God because He is good all the time. And we thank God for what God has done. Again, to go back to that very first part of the song. God forgives us. He heals us. He works for justice. He meets our needs. He meets us where we are. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray for God to provide for our daily bread. And God provides what we need when we need it. God, God doesn't always answer our prayers. I know God doesn't always answer the prayers, my prayers, the way I want Sometimes I'll even pray them. I'm like, I'm not sure God's going to answer that one because I think that's kind of a stretch, you know. But, but God provides for our needs where we need them in the timing that we need them. And God walks with us in those times. So we praise God for who God is. We thank God for what God has done. And we love God for how God first loved us. Again, in 1 John 4, 11, John says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He loved us since the beginning of the world, and he expects, he hopes, he longs for us to love him back because he wants to be in relationship with us. Not out of obligation, but hopefully out of inspiration. We are inspired and encouraged to love God back. He is from everlasting to everlasting. How do we do that? So we love God back for what he does. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And David mentions that here in this 103rd Psalm as well. And he says, we are to keep God's commands as his people. And his greatest command is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and to love your neighbor as ourself, which we talk about all the time here at CBC. We can love God. We can live like God. We can imitate God by showing compassion, kindness, and mercy, by working for justice. By reaching out to our neighbors, that is the way we can love God back. Now, as I was writing this, and I got that all ready for the slides or the bulletin, I felt like I left one thing out. I think it was this. Ask God 
to ask God for help. So as I was thinking about this, today it's, it's a lot of head knowledge about who God is, God's attributes, and the character of God, but it's also got to be in the heart. So it's got to go from the head to the heart. That's where I hope the inspiration is in talking about who God is, and, and we love Him back. And then it's got to go from the head to the heart to our hands that we live it out in our life. And so I know that David felt that. I think David felt that in this song as we praise God. But, but David was a man. Even on this Father's Day, we can know that David often blew it. He often uh, messed up big time as a father and a husband. He was not involved enough and probably too permissive with his children. And so later in life, many of his children rebel on him, even as adults. And one of his children, a son, even tried to steal the kingdom from David later on in his life. He had consequences for his actions. He was caught cheating on his marriage. And here's where he asked for help. This is David after he's been caught, after he has done extraordinarily wrong. And so this is an incredible psalm again in, in the Psalms that David wrote. In Psalm 51 where he says this. And this is just an excerpt because we don't have time to read the whole thing. But David said... Think with a lot of emotion, with a lot of heart. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your great compassion. Hide your face from my sin. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. I think there David prays with a lot of emotion, and he asked God for help. So when we are in time of need, when you feel that maybe God is this, that God is too big, God is too holy or too perfect, and you want a God to draw near, ask God to draw near and ask God for help so that you can love him back. I'll close with this. Many, many years ago, probably 20 years ago, I was writing with a friend, actually an old friend from ZBC, not around here anymore, moved away. And we were writing kind of a long car ride, and, and I forget what the context was, and he just brought me said, he goes, you know, Scott, of all, the, of all the ways to live, he goes, I think the Christian life is the best way to live. I'm like, okay. I, I would say I agree with that. He goes, no, think about it. He goes, so if you were to live like a life for yourself, you know, if you were to live a life where you went out and got everything for yourself, or what if you lived a life where you made your family your God? You lived everything just for your family. What if you lived, you believed in God, but you didn't really live for God? Or what if you really follow God? He goes, that's the best life. I'm like, Okay, I agree. He goes, yeah, because you, you choose things. You choose to live a life of joy, you know, an abundant life that Jesus gives us, a life of forgiveness, a life of trust, and a life of freedom. Because we know that God forgives us, and God loves us, God cares for us. It frees us up on our best days than to do those things back for others, to forgive others, and to love others, and to care for others. And he's like, Scott, this is the best way to live. I'm like, yeah, man, you are right. This is the best way to live. So Jesus wants us to live that kind of life, an abundant life, where we praise God for who God is, we thank God for what God has done, where we ask God to meet your needs, and we love God back as God has first loved you. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We read again in the 103rd Psalm as David says it in so many different ways in this psalm. We are thankful for your amazing love, for your grace.
Help us then to continue, Lord, as we sing songs to praise you, to thank you, to love you, to be inspired this week that you are good all the time, to ask you to meet our needs and then to live for you because you are a good, good, and loving Father. We pray in Jesus' name.